My brother, Noah Newfield, how are you? Early high school, I wasn't really that much of a prospect, I would say. Um, and even junior, senior year, I didn't really consider myself to be like one of the top in the country at all. I think there was like this unoffic unofficial ranking uh, that came out for like my class of recruits and I was put at like 99. When I got the rookie of the year thing, part of me was really grateful to be, you know, recognized on that stage, but part of me was like, I haven't quite earned this yet. If I wasn't at the top of the top, I wasn't satisfied. So some part of me was like, okay, this next summer, this next season, I have to prove to myself that I deserved an accolade like that. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm quite satisfied yet. I'm, I'm definitely satisfied in terms of I've achieved those goals, but there's, there's, more, there's more to gain, definitely. So not, not fully satisfied quite yet. This week's episode is with my good friend, Noah Newfield. Noah is an incredible gymnast here at Cal that has accomplished many things so far throughout his collegiate career. Back in 2021, as a freshman, he was the program's first ever collegiate gymnastics rookie of the year. Since then, he's gone on to represent Cal at multiple events, such as the U.S. Gymnastics Championships and the Winter Cup. He's an incredible person, and this episode is very special, specifically because it was recorded back in May of 2022, so a lot of the things we were talking about back then, he's accomplishing right now. He's not only a leader on the team, but the captain of the team as well, that is currently ranked number six in the nation. He talked about back then how he has an underdog mentality into everything he goes into. It's inspired by a bit of imposter syndrome that motivates him to continue learning and growing to become better and help out his team. It's a very special episode. I hope you really enjoy it. And with that being said, let's go to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Denting. I am your host, Fernando Andrade, and today I have a very special guest right here in front of me, my brother, Noah Newfield. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Doing well out here. All good? Yeah. Just finished finals, so... Oh, yeah. A bit tired, but... I'm tired, but relieved. Yeah. No, that, that's good. Um, well, before we get started, do you want to introduce yourself for those that may not know you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, as he mentioned, uh, my name is Noah Newfeld. I'm on the men's gymnastics team here. Rising junior, feels good to say that, uh, and I'm majoring in electrical engineering and computer science. Yeah, why, why does it feel good to say that? Do you wanna? Are you over the underclassmen thing or? Not really over it. It's just it's just so crazy to think that I'm already like halfway done with college, pretty much. Yeah. It's like I feels like yesterday I was moving into my first apartment as a freshman, like starting my first freshman classes and everything. So yeah. It's no, that, crazy. That makes sense. Yeah, like the halfway mark is definitely weird I was just telling you before this like I think this is my halfway mark right now I'm a year older than you but I think like just through situations and, and some interest I have I think this is my halfway mark and it's crazy to like yeah think how much has happened in the first half and how much is left in the second so yeah very interesting and I'm very excited to talk about your first half definitely you have a lot going for you um but but before we get into your things at Cal what was your, your childhood like? Like, I know you're from Texas, right? Right outside of Dallas. Yeah. How did you get into the sport of gymnastics? I know definitely with gymnastics in general, it's a small circle, but even with men's gym, it's even smaller than women's yeah. gym. So how did you even get into gym? Yeah, so my dad actually did high school, uh, high school gymnastics when he was younger, and he always would tell me like he wishes that he stayed in for longer. I think he switched to wrestling, did some other sports, but always loved gymnastics, always had a love for it. So when I was like the youngest of the young, like able to go in, we did like father and me classes together and stuff. So ever since like I was in 
from the very beginning. Like, what age are we talking about? Could be, like, two or three years old. Just, like, the one where, you're like, your dad's just kind of, like, carrying you through the mats and stuff, like, jumping on trampolines. Um, and, yeah, I guess it's just, like, the one sport that I've always always loved doing. I think I did swimming for a little bit, uh, like, the local YMCA. Uh, but definitely gymnastics was the pathway for me. That's awesome. That's awesome that, that it's, like, right from, from the start, really. Um, but... In terms of like you're two years old and I, I guess those classes work, but as you start progressing, like, and I'm not talking progressing drastically, I'm talking like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old, are you trying any other sports besides swimming or are you strictly with gymnastics already from the get-go? I think um, the period where I wasn't so serious about gymnastics, uh, I was like, yeah, around like seven, eight, nine, ten, like getting towards my teens, I was still doing swimming. Uh, and then at some point it was gymnastics was reaching a level of commitment where I was like I have to choose either or so I decided to choose gymnastics It was just I just didn't want to get in the pool at like 8 in the morning <laughs> So so I was about to ask you what was the the thing that, that made you choose so it was just like getting in the pool that early in the morning yeah. and also like just Kind of the monotony of swimming didn't vibe with me. I guess you know gymnastics. There's like I could just be doing one thing one day and then a completely different thing the next and it was just it was such a, it kept on it was a very dynamic sport very stimulating sport for me so it was easy to like just stay motivated yeah yeah it's definitely a lot of repetition i guess in sports like swimming or, or track um what were your events in, in swimming or did you uh, have any i think i was doing i was pretty good at butterfly and I think it was, like, mostly uh, short distances. Yeah. I was decent at, like, butterfly, freestyle, I think some backstroke. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. all of them. Just and, sort of messing around. Yeah, and, and when you do reach a certain age, like, take me through this, because I grew up in a soccer atmosphere mm -hmm. that is very popular. Like, there's a lot of teams, a lot of different people competing, even in, like, at my age right now, but especially in high school, middle school, elementary, even more, like, very popular. But with men's gymnastics, like, how was that transition? Because you, you started focusing more in middle school, right? Yeah, around that. And, and how popular, how big was it? Like, were there a lot of gyms in, in terms of availability, competitions, et cetera? Uh, so, actually, in Texas, it's it's a fairly big sport. Um, there's definitely a lot more gyms in Texas than there are. I think California is, like, the only one that matches uh, the number of gyms. But still pretty sparse, like, I only, there was only a couple gyms near me where I lived that were, like, accessible. Uh, so, yeah, pretty much, um, I would think I reached a point in middle school where I had been taking, like, recreational classes uh, the whole way, which didn't involve too much commitment. It was, like, you don't really have to go to competitions or anything, and you kind of just go to class every day and kind of have fun. Um, there is, like, a committed aspect to it, but not nearly as much as, like, an actual club gymnastics and so I reached a point in middle school where they asked me if I would like to move up to the competitive level where you have like more stricter training regimen and like actually have to prepare for competitions and seasons and stuff. And so I think it was at that point that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to commit myself to this. Yeah. And, and how was that changed? Like what changed for you personally, mentally, sacrifice wise, things like that? It was, uh, it was not an easy transition. Uh, I think gymnastics is definitely one of those sports where you just dump so many hours out of your day into it. So it went from just like, oh, like 
Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, I would go to the class. It was like every single day, I'd have like a three, four hour training in the afternoon, like directly after school. So it was definitely hard. I think school gets kind of a little tougher, like more serious at that point and start getting more homework and start thinking about like high school, which is like a huge thing at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was just like, boom, school in the morning, straight into practice and then get back at like eight, nine-ish and have to do like all my homework, shower, brush teeth, eat dinner, all that stuff in like kind of a, a later period of time. So it was like, I really had to like dedicate myself to have it being on like a pretty strict time schedule at that point. And I mean, I, I know you said that it's a fairly popular sport in Texas, but just out of curiosity, like for example, I'm, I'm from California. I didn't have friends that ever did gymnastics. Like in terms of explaining that to friends, because I know it, it's definitely going to impact your, your social life, especially at that age. How was that like with sacrifices with being having to say like, I have training, I can't like things like that. Uh, yeah, it was definitely rough. And I think a lot of people didn't really understand it. Obviously, it's like not like the only time it gets super popular is the Olympics, which is every four years. So not much leverage there. But so it was, it was there's definitely people that were like, why do you have to go to training? Like, it's not that big a deal. Like, why don't we just go hang out? And it was definitely an experience trying to explain, like, I have goals. I want to achieve those goals. I'm going to go to practice every day. Um, and, yeah, it was, like, not a huge atmosphere for gymnastics uh, at any point during my uh, middle school or high school uh, time, really. So it was just... I just felt kind of outside of the other world, like even other people that were, I knew, I had friends that were in other sports, but I, it just felt like I was kind of outside of that atmosphere because I was kind of doing my own thing uh, in terms of high school. But I actually built a really strong connection to my teammates in my club gym, so that was really special to me. What were your goals at that age? You, you described like making those sacrifices um, to be able to focus and things like that, but in middle school and high school, like, what were your goals? What what kept driving you uh, throughout that phase? I think the number one was definitely going to college gymnastics, especially at that time. It was still Spire, so there's like 16 colleges that had men's gymnastics in it and that were actually funded, Cal being one of them. And so I knew from like pretty much day one of high school that like I definitely want to go to college and I was going to have to work hard for it um, because of how few schools there are. And that was like the biggest goal. Obviously, there was like every season it'd be like, oh, go to go to nationals, go to regionals, stuff like that. But in the long term, the biggest one was definitely NCAA's. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and for, like you said, it's super different to my experience because, I mean, for me, there's at the D one level, there's over a hundred different teams. At D two, same thing. D three, same thing. Like. And I'm mentioning the different divisions, not because I considered them. Like, I definitely just wanted to play D1 or Pac-12. Uh, but when when I consider it, it's like, well, if that didn't work out, there's a lot more options for me. And it's crazy that there were only 16 at the time. Right now, what is it, 13? Right now, I think it's 13 or 14. I'm not sure. They just added a few programs, actually, in some D2, D3 levels, which is awesome for the sport. But, yeah, I think we're still around 13, 14 right now. Yeah, I, I think one was added since I last talked about it. Like, like when Caleb was here, I think they added one afterwards, which is awesome to see. But, yeah, 13, 14 probably, yeah. um, which is ridiculous because, like you said, you had a connection to your teammates, but 
I mean, maybe most of them did go D1, but if you have a small community and it only gets smaller at the D1 level, it's like, it's, it's so difficult. Yeah, it is. Um, but honestly, I felt like the community kind of grew once I got to college, knowing that now men's gymnastics, the sport was tied to all my schooling and my community and the rest of like Cal Athletics. It just, I felt like my, my uh, how do you say, it? my circle just expanded. It felt like there, now there's like, because my club gym, I think I had five other teammates or so that were around my age. Um, and now I have 20 other guys that all have the same motivations, all are grinding day in, day out with me. And it just, it feels like my circle definitely expanded. So since then. you said 20 in college and how many in high school? In high school, I think I, I had like five or six guys that are around my age. Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. How do you, how do you go about that in high school? Because especially... Like, in middle school, all right, every, everything's fun, everything's nice. But in high school, I think there's a major shift. I, Nino was here yesterday, and, and we talked about that, how there is a shift. Because we, we were talking about how ridiculous it is for people to commit in their freshman year of high school to college. Yeah. And I was telling her, like, that's insane that a coach puts that trust when sophomore year, junior year, yeah. senior year, they can start partying. They can, like, change completely as an athlete. Like, I know that, at least for soccer... Like, I see some of the guys, and the guys that were good my freshman year could have been, been playing pro with their talent right now, mm-hmm. but they never even made it to D1 because right. of the trajectory that their life took and the social life and things like that. So how was it, like, going through that lonely phase? Did that, did that affect you socially or in who you are as a student? Because you said it's much easier in college when it's all connected. Mm-hmm. But in high school, that's not connected at all. So how did that affect you or shape you? Yeah, so in high school, it was definitely, like, the time commitment definitely grew. Um, And like I said, it wasn't really attached to the schooling at all. So I felt like it was, like, a full-time commitment on both ends. Uh, And so we don't get recruited until junior, senior year, which which is great. I think that's... That's probably the most ideal because that's when you're like really figuring out what you want to do uh, in terms of college, and that's like it's pretty consistent junior senior year in terms of your your talent level. So at that point, junior senior year was crazy. I'm trying to like pump out credits in in high school so I can get ahead in college, and then also be like really honing in in gymnastics, trying to get recruited to uh, all the D1 schools, and so yeah, it was. It's definitely a huge commitment there. Yeah, and like what you mentioned right now, it is better for junior year, senior year to like get recruited. Yeah. They changed it for women's gym. That that's how it is for soccer, at least on the men's side. So I, I definitely do think that's better, and it's much more healthier. Like oh yeah, well it's healthier for everyone, like coaches, players, etc. So that's great. Um, you mentioned academics right now. How is that like for you? I know um, so, some of your aspirations right now in college, but in high school, how seriously did you take that? How important were your academics for you growing up? Uh, it was it was pretty pretty serious uh, to me. My parents were never the type to push me to you know always get A's in class, but I kind of I took it upon myself to do that because I knew like at the top of my list were like Cal, Stanford, like good schools because I wanted to have like a good degree, good school to go to because. I know I, gymnastics is not going to be a very, very long-standing sport for me. At some point, my body's just going to give up. So definitely wanted to have, like, a, a really good degree um, going forward. So I, I put it upon myself to 
push like AP classes, stuff like that, just trying to do the best I could in academics in high school. And now kind of continuing that here, it's definitely kind of taught me like I, I need to be pushing myself in both areas. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's awesome that you understand things that way. You know, I think uh, one of the guys that was here, uh, Bjorn Seeliger from SWIM, he mentioned the exact same, th same thing, like he's from Sweden. And he was like, well, I, I wanted to get a college degree and swim at the same time because I know it's not gonna, right. it's not gonna last forever, you know? So yeah, it's interesting that you say that. And in terms of your high school trajectory, usually like I have all my notes, everything's set up, everything's great, but there wasn't that much info mm -hmm. on what you did in high school. I know, like, I know you qualified for nationals in 17 and 18. Uh, I know your senior year, obviously COVID hit, but what was the experience like for you? There, like I said, since it's a smaller sport, there just wasn't as much information. Yeah. So take me through like what that experience was for you. Yeah, so in high school, early high school, I wasn't really that much of a prospect, I would say. Um, and even junior, senior year, I didn't really consider myself to be like one of the top in the country at all. I think there was like this unofficial ranking uh, that came out for like my class of recruits and I was put at like 99th. Wow. Yeah. So I like definitely wasn't like, you know, this top sought recruit. I wasn't killing it. Um, I was doing pretty well, um, but definitely, definitely not where I am today. Um, and it was definitely like a huge confidence booster to go into my freshman year and just do as well as I did because it kind of felt like an underdog run. Fresh, freshman year at Cal, sorry. Yeah, freshman year at Cal. Yeah. And because in high school, I just, I didn't really break out into the scene at all it felt like so um it's feels great to do that here how how did you get past that in terms of recruiting uh so i i started early especially with cal talking to the coaches um and so they knew me i'd come out for an unofficial visit so i got to know the coaches some more and i just kept in constant contact with them and i think we really fit well like personality wise i think they saw that i wanted to push myself just as much here yeah, you you were a freshman in high school in 2016, right? Because you're a year younger. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So 2016, 2017. Yeah. Um, you qualify for your first nationals in 2017. Um, how did those go for you? Like in 2017 and 2018, I know you were a Region Three elite team member in in 2018. So like, like things are going better for you. Yeah. You weren't you weren't yeah. a bad gymnast no, at I all. Wasn't, no, I wasn't bad at all. I was. I just it felt. To me, I guess maybe my perspective is a little different, but it just felt to me like I was at like this medium level, um, and that's probably just me being like harsh on myself. But it, yeah, I was, I was doing well. I was making like the the regional team and stuff like that, but didn't really get to the top level that I wanted to see myself at uh, overall. Your standards are high. Yeah, I just I've always I guess I've always been that way. Like if I'm not like at the very top, then I haven't done enough. Yeah. sort of mentality which can be healthy and unhealthy at the same time no I, I get it but it's it's good to be that way in a way right yeah like a, a great man is hard on himself and tolerant with others so mm -hmm. as long as you're tolerant with others I guess that it, it doesn't matter but but yeah that's that's awesome to to see in terms of physique this is like a very curious question coming on from my end like the physique you guys have is very different to other sports is there any lifting at all, or is it from just body weight for you guys? So, 
Yeah, right now we don't do any official lifting or anything. I think we, we have some dumbbells in the gym that we like to use sometimes. But overall, it's like every, especially like all-arounders, you're working every single part of your body and just learning how to use like rarely used muscles, I feel like usually. Um, you're just building every single body movement. You're learning how to move your body in every single way. So I think that just kind of naturally builds like a sort of even physique. Um, and I think we'd like to lift more. I think, especially now, it's good for injury prevention and just overall strength. But for now, yeah, it's it's mostly like calisthenics type stuff. Yeah, and in terms of injuries that you just mentioned, I feel like men's gymnastics and women's gymnastics are two different sports, ranging from events to what you guys try and things like that. Are injuries as common as on the women's side? I would say it's, it's fairly even. Um, we definitely, my team definitely struggled with injuries these past couple years. Shoulders are like the biggest thing. Um, like the rings are just known to be shoulder killers. Um, I'd say it's pretty even between us and the girls team uh, and girls gymnastics in general. Yeah, I, I think like from what I've seen, right, on the women's side, not not only here, just in general, it's like the joints as well like I mean you mentioned upper body but I feel like for them it's lower body like the oh, knees yeah. the ankles things like that yeah they definitely so I guess they only have uh bars as their like main upper body event so they definitely get hammered uh in the lower body having beam and floor and vault that's interesting I hadn't broken it down in my head that way obviously for you it's super basic to think of how that is but yeah I mean I haven't experienced it yeah. so so I didn't know that. Cool. So when, in terms of recruiting, when did you commit? Uh, so I came, I think, September of my senior year in high school. So September 2020? Because that's COVID. Uh, no, 19, 2019. I think that was my senior year of high school. Junior. Because, I, I mean, I was a senior. Oh, I know what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so like that's the, your senior year. Yeah, the first semester. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I, I came on an official trip here, and then at the trip, I committed. So right before COVID. Yeah. Damn, that, if not, that would have... That would have been tough. Yeah, would have been tough, definitely, for the recruiting. So that works out for you. When COVID does hit, what happens like in, in terms of training, in terms of the gyms that are open? I'm, I know that in Texas, it's a different situation yeah. to California. <laughs> but how was that experience like for you as you prepared for Cal? Yeah, so... Uh, March, everything shut down. I think across the board, all across the U.S., just everything shut down. It was crazy because we'd gone from like going from spring break, like enjoying our time off, to just having literally nothing to do. Um, so it was definitely weird, especially going from such a strict like school and gym schedule to going to having no responsibilities. Pretty much, it was just it. Part of me was like, "This is great. Like I'm getting rest. I'm. I don't really have." much that I need to do but at the same time there was a part of me that was like I should be doing something like I feel like I need to be productive um and so it was definitely it was definitely a struggle there and I think Texas definitely we opened up before most states so I was grateful enough to get into a gym and start training for Cal uh earlier than the rest of my class uh which I'm grateful for uh, and that really helped prepare me here yeah, that, that's the thing with gymnastics that I've mentioned here on the podcast, especially like for me, I need a ball, right? Like I, I need a ball and a wall or, or something like that. You guys need a, an entire setup for it to work. 
And when you don't have that, it must be so hard. Even coming back, like, March, things shut down. I think Texas by, like, May was, like, opening up. Yeah. That's still two months, though. Did, mm-hmm. did you see that play an effect on you? Oh, yeah. I mean, even so before that, I, hadn't, I didn't think I took uh, more than a week or two off of gymnastics fully. So having two months off was just, I mean, you, you feel the difference. You lose, uh, like, awareness on everything. I, I definitely felt it. Like, just everything felt weird. Even the most basic of skills just felt so outlandish to me. And so it was definitely a struggle and an experience trying to get back from pretty much like square one up to like like a college level yeah yeah and especially like with injuries i'm sure like that could be weird where you're trying like you said the awareness like when you're trying to go for something that's like casual for you and then you realize like damn i need a lot of practice to be able to do that again yeah um when you did come to cal obviously i want to place this contrast right because texas and california completely different and that plays a role for you because you're coming to California. So when did you come to Cal? Like, when did you show up? So I think that uh, my freshman fall semester, we had, like, dorm contracts. And we weren't sure if we were going to be able to get into the gym anytime soon. So we canceled all our dorm contracts. And then I think we heard that it was possible that we'd be open up pretty soon. This was around September-ish. So I came out here with three other teammates, uh, Ron, David, and Colin, and we all got uh, an apartment. Uh, and at that point, we still hadn't been able to get into the gym. Uh, we got into the gym finally in October, end of October-ish. But for like a good month, it was just like sending up little P-bar, like parallettes in the house, doing core workouts, doing other types of workouts wherever we could. And finally, like end of October, we were able to get into the gym, and it was, it was really definitely really exciting, like just felt like okay we're finally doing college gymnastics for once yeah because I mean that that's what you were looking for and you hadn't tasted that yet I had that experience and then it was taken away but you didn't even yeah. get that yet how much of a setback was that first month of not being able to like train in an actual gym it was it was uh in terms of gymnastics it was a step back um we, I just remember the first day in the gym, we were like too excited. We were, had all this adrenaline. We're trying to do all of our normal stuff and none of it was really working out that much. Um, we were kind of falling all over the place. Uh, the fitness wasn't quite there. I mean, you can do as much as you can outside the gym, but at some point there is certain movements that you just can't replicate. So we definitely kind of a loss of awareness there as well. But I think just having this college atmosphere definitely helps to get you like right back into the groove of things. Yeah, and, and how different was the level to what you were already used to? Like uh, where you mentioned the college level, being around these guys, the new team, like did you see a major difference? Oh yeah, um, that's kind of, I think that's the biggest thing for, for gymnasts in high school is one of the biggest things about going to college is like it's a, just a different atmosphere. In, in club gymnastics, I remember like I mentioned before, like six other guys that are around my age, and like maybe half of them didn't really have aspirations past high school, weren't super committed, half of us were. So the general energy is, is kind of mixed and not as competitive, not as motivating as it is in uh, college where literally 20 other guys that are just, they're, they want to push each other like as hard as we possibly can. Um, so that, that part just... It makes everything way easier and way harder at the same time. That's insane that you mentioned that because 
if you had five teammates back home, you have three roommates that are doing the exact same thing now and just being surrounded by them 24-7 is a major difference. And like you said, training with 20 guys, that's only going to raise your, your level. Oh, yeah. um, who was it that I was talking to? I think it was Hugo Gonzalez from from Swim. He was here a few days ago and, and I was just, we, we were talking about surrounding yourself with people that are better than you to improve and I mean, I'm sure it's the same thing for you, like at the beginning, especially, um, at least in soccer, fitness wise, like you're mentioning, or the main difference is the speed. Like when I think of fitness, I think of cardio sort of thing. Um, and the speed of play is just so much faster in college than in high school. And that was the major difference. But once you're surrounded in that atmosphere, you automatically level up one way or another, right? Oh, yeah. But and, and I'm sure it's the same thing for you. Um, as you are training and as you are getting ready, what were you thinking? Like, what were your goals coming in? Were you expecting to have as big of a freshman season as you had? Because like you mentioned, you were an underdog in a way uh, during high school. And then you're, you're thinking about, oh, I want to go D1. I want to be able to compete collegiately. Were you expecting to be that big of a role player on the team no not at all I mean I was I remember when I first committed and I was looking at the rest of the guys in my class and I was like thinking to myself man all these guys are are better than me like at this thing all these guys are better than me at this other thing and so I think in my mind it was more like what can I do for myself like how can I make myself better because I don't I didn't think I function as well when I'm thinking about like competing against my class, my other guys on the team. It's 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 just like the betterment of myself, and I definitely did not expect to play the role that I did uh, my freshman season. I'm grateful that I did, um, but yeah, I think it was part of it was just. Now I'm at D1. I've achieved that goal. What's the next step? And for me, it's like I just want to, I want to be at the top of the game in in this college atmosphere as well. You mentioned like questioning what you had to change to improve. What did you change? I think a lot of it was confidence. I think that's one of the biggest difference differences between my gymnastics now and how it was in high school. Was in high school it was kind of there's a lot of fear and stuff, um, and not a lot of confidence in like, am I going to be able to do this full set well? And when once I got to college, I think once something that sort of clicked was. I'm not going to be able to do a great set if I'm not confident that I can do it. And if I, even if I'm confident going into this routine, um, I either fall or I can do the best of the best. If I go in not confident and kind of hold myself back, the best case scenario is an okay routine. So that's, that's one of the biggest differences. It's just like I have to put myself in this mentality where I know for a fact that I'm going to hit a really good set. And so that helped me a lot. The mentality is a solution, but that last part that you mentioned, being able to put yourself in it, how do you do that? Because it sounds nice and it's a solution to yeah. the problem, but it's like, how do you work yourself to flip that switch? I think um, one thing that helped was in, in college, one thing that's really different is you're doing way more numbers than you did in high school. I mean, during our season, we go back-to-back -back weekends of competing. And for me, it was competing six events. And I had never done that before. In in high school, your seasons are, your meets are like a month apart, a couple weeks apart. So you have that time in between. So you don't need to be pushing full routines all the time. But once we get to college, after I think 
November, you're doing routines like multiple times a week over and over again. And so knowing that I had that amount of repetition behind me was a huge confidence booster because going into like a competition, I could just be like, I've literally done this like well over 30, 40 times now. There's no reason why this needs to be any different or better. So it's confidence through repetition. Yeah. Okay, interesting. And what you mentioned with the schedule, obviously six events. How often do you work on each event per week? So in season, I would say I'd pretty much be hitting all six events every single day. Uh, we, we have a strict schedule of like Monday doing basics uh, on all your events. So you just do like the, the basics of the basics uh, for every skill, which, which helps to kind of build awareness and helps you to move on to the next level. And then Tuesday, we do a thing called pre-meet where we do like half routines on everything that you do. And then Wednesday, we do full intra squad, which is like a pretty much a, a meet for us in the gym during practice. And so going through that schedule like of doing all six every single day was is, is rough on the body, but it helps a lot. Yeah, I mean, in, in a way, I mean, definitely on the hands, but I'm referring most, mostly to like the mind. It calluses your mind, right? Like that repetition, it just keeps you going and going. And interesting. That's very interesting that you guys do that. What about Thursday and Friday? Thursday is our, our rest day. So we that's the day we take it easy. We do um, some conditioning, some like trampoline awareness work, but it's it's kind of the day where we let our bodies just heal up a little bit. What it, what does conditioning look like for you guys? Because, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be obvious for you, but on my end, I immediately think we're going to be running. We're going to be yeah. doing sprints, but, but what is that like for, for you guys? Is it just the cardio reps, like, on the uh, on the pummel horse or on bars, or, like, what what is it for you? It's It can vary a lot from person to person, uh, depending on what events you do. So, um, for me, I have a bigger focus on, like, upper body, and other guys that do rings, uh, we do ring strength, which kind of consists of just doing a bunch of strength skills in a row or by themselves and just pushing, like, pushing positions and strength positions very unique to that event. Uh, but for some other guys that specialize more in, like, floor and vault, they focus more on, like, cardio and, like, explosivity in their legs. There's, we have a thing, I don't know if it's a universal thing, but um, called, like, fast twitch, slow twitch. You just want, like your body's reactions to impacts and bouncing to be like way quicker. So they focus a lot more on that. Um, but in terms of like general, like everyone doing, it's a lot of calisthenics work, um, a little bit of like dumbbells work and uh, a lot of strength sequences, I would say. Interesting. And then if that's your rest day, Friday, it's Fridays um, during season, it'd be uh like the pre-meet I mentioned before, halves on everything, and then Friday or Saturday would be either a meet or the same like meet Interesting. in the gym. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, with your 2021 season, I think that a huge advantage for you guys definitely that I didn't experience is having that apartment because it doesn't impact like the freshman 15 sort of thing. Right. I mean, it could because you're doing your own thing, right? But the cafeteria is definitely impacts. But regardless, you have a, a great season um, within the program. You made history at NCs. You did very well. Uh, what were your highlights or takeaways from that first season and especially co culturally, right? Because Texas was very open. California was still pretty closed at that time. So how is that shift for you overall life? Uh, I would say it's it was weird. I mean, I would, I would go from 
in uh, during the summer, just no masks pretty much in Texas, and then coming out here and having to wear a mask everywhere. I mean, I, I totally understand. I'm, I'm with the program, you know, I'm here for it, but it was definitely a shift. Uh, and at some point it was just like, you need to have a mask on you. Like it's, it's, it's a no brainer at that point. Um, and that's kind of how it was going into the season. We, the majority of our season was run inside of our own training gym or a few times in Haas. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it was all online. We had like live streams of our, ourselves, uh, and like online virtual judges. And so it just didn't feel like a real season. I mean, the mentality was there, but it's definitely way different than a normal season would be. Uh, and then I'd say a highlight would be when we finally got to travel for our conference championships uh, to Air Force. Um, that was our first experience going in person to a meet, actually physically being there with other teams in Air Force, like going, going in a hotel, like staying, even that was just like, so wild to us so it was really definitely a fun experience for us wait so you're telling me you guys had virtual meets like you weren't in the same room as stanford no what like even stanford yeah so we'd have like we'd have cameras like these set up for our, all of our events and so we'd go like alternating between the teams live streaming our routines and then having a judge that was not there either go watch the live stream or the video judge it and then post it up to this online platform called Verdius. And that would be our meet. So we'd go in for like a four-hour practice, do a virtual meet, and then go home. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that, like, if, if someone, I mean, it doesn't work like that in soccer, but what? Like, yeah. was that not, like, weird for you guys? Like, obviously it's weird, but were you guys not concerned? Was it not, like, pretty sus? It was, it was a little weird. There's definitely, like, especially the beginning of it, um, some of the judging was a little bit odd. Like, yeah. Sometimes they would catch something, other times they wouldn't. Sometimes they would be really generous. Sometimes they'd be just hammering us with the deductions. So it was, yeah, it was very odd and nothing that we really expected at all. That's so uncomfortable. Yeah, like that is so weird having like the referee in my case, right? Not even be there. Like, wow, that is very weird. And competing with someone virtually. So you had a virtual semester in, in all senses, pretty in much. In every sense, yeah. That is God. so weird, bro. I, I actually didn't know that, that you guys did that. Wow. Okay. It was pretty cool, though, because obviously, like, in your case, that's just not possible for your sport. Like, you, there's no way that the other team couldn't physically be there. So it was some way for us to, like, overcome the COVID limitations and actually have our stuff publicized and, like, live streamed more than it was before. So it, it kind of helped and hurt us at the same time. Got it. I mean, there's nothing like the in-person experience, no, I'm assuming. But in a way, like, I almost feel like it's metaverse gymnastics, you know? Like, yeah. Like, that's great. Did you ever read the book or watch the movie Ready Player One? I did, yeah. Dude, it's, it, like, the, the way I'm picturing it right now is you guys are in the gym, and it's not like, you're not, it, it wasn't like virtual gymnastics, like, no. um, what's it called? Like... Ah, when you put your like glasses oh, on VR. Yeah, it's it's not like VR gym, not at all. But I don't know. I I just had that image of you guys like competing and having not actual VR glasses, but just seeing things differently, and being judged yeah. through a camera. What? That's so weird. It was it was so like impersonal. 
it was just odd. It just never really felt like a real meet when we did that. Did that take pressure off though? A little bit. I mean, knowing that we're gonna we're gonna compete in the same gym that we do all of our training in, it's the same atmosphere, it's the same energy. So it did take like kind of the pressure off, um, like you said. And even competing in Haas, we didn't have any fans in the stands. It was just like the, they had the cardboard cutouts of people. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was. It took the pressure off, but. Um, I think part a lot of us wanted the pressure to be there. Okay. You thrive on pressure. Well, in gymnastics, you, you yeah. definitely do, right? You, uh, I feel like you guys are always risking things. Do you view, view it that way or not really? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, especially whenever we travel to other locations to compete, all the equipment's going to be different. So we definitely need to take our time and like learn the equipment, figure out how to do all of our normal stuff, but in a completely different atmosphere. And for a lot of guys, it's, there is a lot of risk factor into that. Like you have to be, you have to kind of limit the fear that you have going into it and just be like, okay, just do the same thing as always. And, you know, I mean, we all, we all have experience in doing that, but it's always kind of a fear factor to go in a completely brand new place and do all of your same stuff. I feel, yeah, I feel like there could be a major PTSD moment if anything ever goes wrong, because I'm, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm going to go step on a field that has the same lines. They're actually not the same size. Like every field is different in terms of size, like length and width. But at the same time, it's like I can go step on a field. Somebody can go on a track and they will do the same running. You can hop into a pool and you're going to do the same swimming. But for you guys to literally have different equipment every single time, how do you learn it? Like what's the process of learning it? How long does it take? And... How long until you gain that confidence to be able to trust it and be fine with it? It's it's pretty quick. Um, usually when we have travel meets, uh, we'll have a day to uh, train and kind of just hit every event, feel it out. And it doesn't take that long, but it definitely, there's mental adjustments that you have to make. Like maybe this bar is a little bouncier than the one we're normally used to. So maybe be a little bit slower here or quicker there. And it's just, we've kind of learned how to make those quick adjustments uh, on the spot. And especially when you go to a, like a national stage where everything's pretty much brand new, uh, it's definitely the same thing where you just, after like one or two turns, you have to know how to change your gymnastics in order to fit to the equipment a little bit more. Interesting, yeah. That, that is very interesting. Um, in terms of the sport of gymnastics and its culture, it's obviously a very small circle. Um, when Caleb was here, he talked about like knowing every guy on the other teams, um, even root, like rooting for them at some point because you know them, like you grew up with them. Is that the case for you, or are you more competitive than Caleb is? No, I think I'm the same way. It's uh, obviously we we have so many meets against uh, Stanford uh, right across the bay, and it is. I think everybody thinks there's like some sort of rivalry there, but I think in all of our all of our eyes, it's more we're just like we're all brothers. Um, we all worked hard to get to where we were, and having only thirteen or so teams, you can't really be like in a rivalry. You can't really be competitive in the same way um, because we all know how sparse like this sport is becoming in college gymnastics. So it's it's more of a brotherhood than anything else. That is very interesting. Yeah, when Caleb told me, like, yeah, we're rooting for Stanford, it's like, what? Like, we would never, bro. Like, I, yeah, 
I and maybe like in other sports you accept it, but in our own sport, yeah, no, 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 like never. Um, One of the highlights actually was um, at our senior meet here. Uh, it was against Stanford, and they beat us. But at the end, Caleb was like the last one up to go on high bar. And after his dismount, everyone, including the Stanford team, kind of just like piled onto him, like congratulating him. So it was like a, it was one of the highlights for me. It was like a real brotherhood moment That's between so teams. That's so sick. That's so sick that that it works that way. Since you do know everyone, you mentioned in your class you were medium according to your standards. Um, and you're coming in, you know that your three roommates slash teammates in your class, they're better at you. In some events, you probably know the same thing for the guys at Stanford, at Air Force, at other schools. Um, did you feel like an underdog? Did you have that mentality coming into that year? I think so, yeah. Um, especially towards the end when I started to get a little bit more known, it definitely felt like I was coming out of nowhere. Um, and especially the rookie of the year thing, I knew all the other guys on that list, and I, in my mind, I was like, all the other guys deserve it more than I do. They, these are all guys that have accomplished so many things. They're very extremely talented, and in my mind, I was like, I'm at kind of a bottom tier on that list, and I was not expecting to win that at all, just knowing the level of talent these other guys have. Is that like an imposter syndrome for you, or, or did you just recognize how good they were? I think... I think it was a little imposter syndrome. I'd experienced that already kind of being here at Cal. I mean, everybody in your class is just so smart, right? Like, in any class you take, you're just not going to be the smartest guy, and that's like a definitive thing here. And so it's kind of the same thing where I'm, I, I'm on this list, but it doesn't feel like I am on this list. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And I was, le- like, that was me building up to the rookie of the year thing for sure. Um, with the classes, a fun thing is, like, especially freshman year, I don't know if you experienced this, but in the most basic math classes, for example, I know that they start out and it's like, how many of you here were valedictorians? And everybody is raising their hands, Mm -hmm. except like some student athletes, you know? Mm -hmm. There's definitely one or two student athletes, but the rest of us are just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely not us. Um, So I understand that, but with the rookie of the year, I mean, it's the year of the program's like Cal's first rookie of the year in college gymnastics. Like, that's amazing. You you were a four-time rookie of the week, Things were building up well for you. You had a top, like your your top uh, all around score at NCAs um, was the best of the year for Cal. Like things were looking very good for you. Very talented team and teammates, and you're at the top of that list already. Your rookie of the year. What was there to prove? I saw that you said that there's still something to prove. You didn't feel satisfied. Why? I think. Um when I got the rookie of the year thing, part of me was really grateful to be, you know, recognized on that stage. But part of me was like, I haven't quite earned this yet. Why? I, I don't know. I think it was, it's kind of the same thing as high school where if I wasn't at the top of the top, I wasn't satisfied. So some part of me was like, okay, this next summer, this next season, I have to prove to myself that I deserved an accolade like that. And I think I always, I always wanted to strive for more. I wanted to make it to like these um, like Winter Cup and USA Championships, those were all goals for me. And so I had to prove to myself that I belonged on that national stage. You're winning, you won rings seven times, parallel bars three times, one pommel horse, one horizontal bars, um, 
through that repetition, did you not gain that confidence? Were you still looking at the highest stage and it's like, until I get there, I will feel satisfied. Was that the case? It was, yeah. I think it was not really a confidence thing. It was more like, I'm not done yet. Like, I haven't, I haven't achieved what I'm, what I'm looking for quite yet. I want to talk about this further in a bit, but right now that you're talking about being satisfied or not satisfied... You already went to the Winter Cup. You're already qualified for USA Gymnastics this summer. Are you satisfied now, or is it, nope, there's a next thing that I'm looking at now? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm quite satisfied yet. I'm, I'm definitely satisfied in terms of I've achieved those goals, but there's, there's, more, there's more to gain, definitely. So not, not fully satisfied quite yet. Okay, and, and I love that, right? I'm, I'm that same way too, but... It's thanks to these interviews. It, you can think about it since this is Saturday after finals week, so a lot of research and things like that. You can think about this podcast as a research paper in a way. So I'm interviewing all these different people and picking their brain and reading books and consuming content. And I've had many different people tell me different things. Um, but that goes back to something a lot of people say. Uh, I don't know. Are you familiar with Tim Grover or no? Okay, so he has a few books. He was a trainer to Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, uh, Dwayne Wade, as well as many others. And he has like a phrase called done next, which is you finish something, next one. Yeah. And the the examples are like when MJ would win a championship and he was hold like his first championship and he has a picture with two. And they'd ask him like, why two? And he's like, because I'm already thinking about the next one. And it was that immediate like done next. But when I'm picking people's brains here, they're like, well, yeah, done next. But I have to be grateful for that little moment of not being fully satisfied. That's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the wrong word. But like being grateful for that and recognizing like, hey, I'm going to take a, a small moment to celebrate it. But tomorrow we're back to work. Do you do that at all? Or is it nonstop? Keep going until you get there sort of thing. No, I, d I definitely, I think I definitely uh, take a moment to, to be grateful for that, especially after NC's last year. I had the time to kind of just be like, okay, I've, I've done this. It feels great to be doing this, but I, it's, it's, it's kind of half and half. I want to I wanna carry the energy on. I want to keep the momentum going. Um, so I think I'm able to kind of be grateful for what I've accomplished and use that to be going on to the next thing. Perfect. I personally think that's the solution, that hybrid point, because yes, you have to keep pushing. You have to keep pursuing excellence and your own happiness. That's what keeps us going, right? Without that, there is no purpose, right? Yeah. There is no pur purpose in the sport, in our lives. Like if we're not achieving for more, life becomes meaningless. So I'm glad you're doing that. But at the same time, if we don't stop, we're going to burn out at some point. Yeah. And the issue is if you can't enjoy the point you're at right now, you're never going to enjoy the point you're at later, right. you know? And, and I think that that was a key. And I just wanted to like, make sure how you were taking it because like you're doing amazing things and I want you to like, yeah, understand like, wow, like this is still amazing, but I I'm glad you're pushing it. I thought at one point you were going to say like, no, even if I do end up winning th this summer in, in August in Florida, no, there's, so there's something yeah. after no. that. I'll be uh I'll be happy if I do that, but okay. there's there's still more. I think I I I like to enjoy it, but um there's definitely like in I don't look at it as like an accomplished goal. I think it's more like 
that's momentum that I can use to go do the next thing and move on and like just upgrade the goals further and further as I move on. We'll take this example from this week, right? Today, Saturday, was the commencement ceremony. Mm -hmm. It's a stepping stone. Right. You're going to be grateful for graduating from college. Like, that's amazing. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is to use that for something else. And once you get there, it's a stepping stone for something else. And I feel like it's the exact same thing that you're saying. Like, all right, cool. We're going to celebrate it the same way people are celebrating their graduation right now. But that's not the end goal. You, you don't like, all right, I'm retired now. No, of course not. Like, there, there's something else. And oh, yeah. we're on the same mentality. I'm yeah. just picking your brain to see how you think. I fully agree with you. And I'm like that too. And I've been super driven. But I feel like, like you mentioned previously, sometimes it's healthy. Sometimes right. it's not yeah, that healthy. And I have that experience. And I'm just picking your brain to, to see how you think. Um, well, anyways, you have a great season. Um, MPSF. All academic as well, um, Pac-12 academic honor roll. So, so you have that academic side to you as well that should be talked about. Um, you're on the second team for college gymnastics, all America scholar athlete. You're an engineer here at Cal. That's not an easy major. How do you balance that? It's uh, it's definitely rough, especially this past semester was one of my roughest because because this semester we actually like win in person and everything. Um, so the time management, I would say, is completely different from, like, pandemic schooling, virtual schooling. I mean, you pretty much have all day to do everything. You're not really on any strict time constraints during a day. So moving from that to going, like, okay, I have a lecture from this time, and then I have a discussion, and then I have to get this homework done, blah, blah, blah. It was, it's definitely a huge transition, and it's, it's something I'm still figuring out. I think I'm getting better at it, but... Um, it's definitely like, it feels like nonstop, especially this last semester felt like nonstop school and gym every single day um, without really a break. And I got to this point where it kind of felt like any break I would take, um, or even not a break, like going to gym or sleeping even, it felt like I was neglecting schoolwork, where I knew I had like deadlines, and so if I wasn't doing that assignment, I was neglecting it or I should have been doing it. I've been wasting time instead of doing that assignment, which was not healthy for me. I think definitely some burnout moments towards the end, but um, yeah, it's definitely just a constant boom, 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 next thing uh, every day. How is that with your sleep? Like you just mentioned right now, sleep, that affects a lot of things, right? And I've learned that the hard way. I was sleep deprived my senior year of high school. And since then I've started taking care of that a lot more. Um, so how did that impact you? Uh, not great. Yeah, definitely kind of the same thing where I would prioritize getting a certain milestone done in an assignment or finishing an assignment before I would go to sleep. And I wouldn't really let myself go to sleep before I'd done that, um, no matter how long it took. So health wise, not great. Yeah. Like running on four or five, six hours of sleep on a regular basis. Um, I think at some point I got kind of used to it, which is not great either, but yeah, sleep took a hit these past couple years. Damn. Yeah. Are you like, how would you fix that? Like, because your schedule isn't going to get any easier. No. And I know engineering is that tough. Like I I know you're not messing up on anything like engineering at Cal, especially is extremely tough as a student athlete. There's actually even people that would tell you like, it's impossible to be an engineer and a student athlete 
at Cal. Like, that's not supposed to work. So I know it's not, like, you not being willing to work with the schedule, but at some point, like, if you want to reach milestones, it's probably healthy to sleep, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. I've been, I've been trying to work on that recently. I think I've been getting better at it, um, where I, like, tell myself I any work I do past a certain point is not going to be good work at all. So I might as well get my sleep in. So I think I've been better recently, like going to sleep around one ish, um, at the latest. Yeah. Not not great either, but, um, definitely doing better there. Yeah. Trying to put myself back on like a regular healthier schedule. Yeah, that's good. And I'm sure you're, you'll figure it out. It was only your first year in person as well. So it's not, it's not that bad, but yeah, I mean, I know, I'm not going to mention, I'll, I'll, I'm not even going to mention their gender. I'll just say their name. Like one of the athletes that has been on this podcast, they're very, very talented. They're very, very good, but their sleep is mm-hmm. so bad and they're at an insane level, but they're like, I don't think my sleep will ever be fixed. And their coach continues to tell them like, yeah, uh, if you slept more, yeah, you would be exponentially better. And they're still doing amazing, but uh, that, that was just a point yeah. where it's like, wow, how much could they improve if, if they did the same thing? And I feel like that's the thing for you, but that major balance is just ridiculous. It is hard. I think that's that's one thing that people don't really see. You, you There's always the people that are achieving the highest of the highest in everything, um, like that person you mentioned, but you don't really see like behind the scenes what it's the toll that it's taking and what they have to sacrifice to do that. Um, I think that's a lot of people miss out on that part. They just kind of see this like ideal image of a person. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, we've talked about this, um, with the mental health subcommittee that we're on, but that's exactly the the same point, right? Like people will use sleep as an example. People don't realize what's, what's going on behind the scenes. People will see the results. People will see the performance, but they don't know what's going on in their lives. They don't know what's going on in school personalized sleeping eating things like that and it's crazy it's crazy because like the burnout you even mentioned and i'm doing it right now i'm falling into the trap i'm here applauding you for everything you've done which is sick you deserve the the applause and things like that but we don't real realize like the work you've had to put in for school yeah the sleep sacrifices you've had to make i'm sure there's more sacrifices you've had to make and and that's crazy which is why i personally believe that you can't like value someone specifically for who they are as an athlete, specifically for who they are as a student. Like you just can't do that to a person, you know, but very interesting. Glad, glad you shared that. Um, what is it that you like about engineering? I know you have a very creative side to you. I know that's inspired to your roots to Japan that, that you mentioned off podcast previously. And I know you have an aunt as well that inspires you on your dad's side. Um, but, but what is that connection with engineering? Uh, I think I've always been kind of science, math, science leaning uh, in school. Uh, so combining like the creative side and sort of the technical side, I think engineering is like the perfect mix of both. And even like in my childhood, I would always have um, like my own little, con- I would like make a stand for something out of a tissue box or something like that. Just like trying to find a solution uh, in like a creative way and I think it translates into engineering I also I kind of veered off of that like initial creative path with electrical engineering computer science but I think it'll eventually kind of come full circle to the point where my ultimate goal 
career-wise is to be able to work on something where I can design and also like execute technically the the creation of something or the innovation of something. I think that's what really interests me is like finding a unique solution to something and being able to work on every part of it, including like the creative design aspect. So it's a, okay, that's interesting. It's like the DIY mentality that we were talking about before, like looking around here, like, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, some, some of my guests I've had to tell afterwards, something that I'm constantly doing on the podcast is my eyes are like checking the, these cameras and then checking the screen. And it's not that I don't want to keep eye contact. No, yeah. It's just that I'm like looking all over the place because I have to make sure that everything is still working, right? Yeah. Um, and it's super fun because like we were talking about, at least for this example, I know how to use this. I know how to use this camera. I know how to use the camera you're looking at right now or the lights and the computer and then to edit and things like that. And that's part of the process you're talking about. It's design and then executing it and then presenting it. That's what you're into. Yeah. Interesting. What what type of things would that be? I Like I know your creative side was mostly like drawing and things mm-hmm. like that, right? Um, what was it? Here I have the name of the... I'm probably going to mispronounce it, and I'm sorry, but manga? Or yeah, like there's the, a little bit of that. Yeah. Okay, so the, the novel, comic books, and things like that. But what would, you, like, what would you dream of executing? I think now, based on like the major and kind of path I'm leading, it'd be uh, software engineering type stuff. Um, being able to program a solution to a problem. Being able to just sort of provide something, like a solution to a problem to people that is easily accessible. I think that'd be that'd be kind of the ultimate goal, and it's very broad because I think ever since I was little, I never really knew what I really wanted to do. Every it seems like everybody was like, "Oh, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, blah blah." blah. I'm like, I just want to like make things. Yeah, that's so. super interesting. I mean, it is wanting to make things, but that uh, since it is so broad, it allows you to do a lot with it, and yeah. that's something that right off the bat I could tell you like, I'm into the creating part. But I would love to have that interest that you have. I, I just don't. Like, I would love to be able to program and code and things like that. It just doesn't come to me. I'm not passionate about it. And if I'm not passionate about it, I'm not going to put in the work to do it. Right. Um, so I think that you having that is it's special because you can do, like you said, everything from start to finish, whether that's the design of an app and then actually executing right. the whole thing. Like, that that's pretty, pretty awesome in, in that way. Um, and it's interesting with your sport how it allows you to express yourself many sports yes you always express yourself in sports but I think that many sports don't allow that necessarily and gymnastics to me I've said this before I think it's an art in and of itself like it's an entire performance it's it's not only a sport I think it's an entire performance so oh yeah it's interesting how you have that expression with both as a balance do you see a connection in it I think I do um I think a lot of gymnasts will agree with me when they say, like, when I say that you can kind of recognize who a person is based on their gymnastics, especially, like, on the national stage. You can probably recognize, like, who that gymnast is based on just, like, their this one routine or whatever. Because everybody has, like, a certain style to their gymnastics, a certain, like, flair that they, they personally have. And so it's really cool to how individualistic that it can get uh, at that point. And then combining... For me, on like the technical side, I definitely view everything in terms of like kind of physics and not really math, but just like how it would work physically. Like if I, in terms of like momentum and speed, if I did this, then it would work better. 
or if I sh if my body was in this certain shape, then it would move better in this way. So I think the technical side definitely comes in whenever I think about my own gymnastics. You're calculating the slope of your... Yeah, like, <laughs> literally, like, I have, like, all the images in front of me, like, the graphs and everything. No. I feel that, though, in a way, because, I mean, I'm a political science major, but I'm also super into this content. And poli-sci is similar in a way, because I have to read, and then I have to write. And so I'm consuming, and I'm expressing. And it's the same thing here. Like, for me to be able to come up with so many things, I'm reading a lot, I'm... Uh, like reading not only on your research, but like books or articles or watching some videos on YouTube, listening to other podcasts, things like that, to then be able to talk about it here. Right. And I feel like it's the exact same thing. Like once you have this podcast or, or something, I'm always thinking about an interview. Like I can go to dinner with someone and it's not that I'm interviewing them, right. but that's how I'm thinking about things thing. now. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you can't get out of it in a way like yeah. you're, you're in there forever, but I think it's, I think it's awesome because once you learn how connected everything is, mm -hmm. it's a huge advantage. Oh, yeah. 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 Being able to apply, like, every level of your life, it's, it, yeah, it helps a lot. Yeah. How was uh, this sophomore year for you? It's, it's hard for me to talk too much, like, to someone that hasn't experienced more than two seasons, right? Jada Curry was here a few days ago, and she's only a freshman. Right. And I was like, how, how am I going to have a full-on conversation with someone? Because usually... When they're here, they're graduating or they're about to leave or at least they're three years in. Right. But for you, like your peak moment right now is your sophomore year so far. And you've, you've already done so well. So how was that shift for you to full-time training now um, and the impact that you've seen so far? Uh, I think in terms of impact, uh, it just it's good to get Cal's name out on the national stage. And I think it's a big thing for for our incoming freshmen and potential recruits in the future just to just to know that like it's possible from every angle like to do to go to a winter cup to go to USA champs it's it's possible no matter where you go um, and to know that there's like an atmosphere here that's very collaborative very constructive to everyone on the program uh, so that feels good there What's the balance between being an individual gymnast and representing Cal for you? I think it kind of it, it coincides. It's uh, for me, it doesn't feel like a different thing. Um, I've always been kind of a, you know, get my own work done and then kind of get out, get in, get out type of mentality. Uh, but being on a team, I've learned more to work with other people and go to other people for advice so now it feels like especially training now it feels like i'm getting input from everyone on my team on just this one thing and then i'll help out on other people so it's definitely like i can definitely attribute me getting better to the entirety of my team as well interesting yeah i i was bringing that up because after these ncaa's um I saw in one of the interviews that, that you had with, I think it was Daily Cal, that you were talking about, yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped for, for how I've done uh, and things like that individually, but that you also want to raise Cal's level because you did very well individually, but you want your whole team to do even better. And you talked about having to put in extra work in this summer, all of you guys together, and how some sets that you're hitting are hard, but not, not as hard as other teams and, and things like that to reach that elite status which I'm sure it's tough because with 13, 14 teams, the elite level is probably half of them 
but the difference must be huge. It's, yeah, it's astronomical. How are you going to change that, and how much of a responsibility do you feel at this point? Because now you're going to be a junior. There's some sort of leadership already, at least by example. So how do you see that playing out of taking Cal to the next level? You're already doing it, but to that one percentile, top percentile. I think um, it's kind of doing the same stuff. I feel like I see, knowing that I'm not at that like, elite level quite yet, I, I need to take it kind of a longer run at to get to that level. Um, and where I've gotten to now is I wouldn't be here without like the help of my entire team, without the chemistry that I have with them. And so to be able to keep that going for the rest of my four years, um, I'm hoping to like plan it out and like per se get to this certain level after my junior year and then after my senior year be hopefully be at the elite level that I want to be at. Um, and that's not without the help of the entire team overall I mean it's like I mentioned earlier the energy and just the atmosphere is it's so motivating and it's just so much easier to work these new skills to push the difficulty at every level uh, when you have a group of guys pushing with you or cheering for you either way it's just it's the way that I'm going to get to where I want to be is with my team. Tell me about your team culture and, and your values that you guys have because it sounds like your success is inextricably intertwined with theirs, right? Okay. So how does that work for you guys? What are your values or, or not only that, but just your culture as a team? Uh, we're, we're really close as a team. I'd say um, like all of us can go to anyone else on the team and just be just normal, like... We're very close. We, we can go to each other with personal problems, with gymnastics problems, with academic problems. Um, and in the gym, it's very collaborative. I mean, I, I know there's a slurry of skills that I've learned, and it's due to my teammates as well as my coaches. Uh, the coaches owe credit, but without the teammates that I've gone to for help on a specific skill, I wouldn't have learned those skills. And it's, I think it's the same for everyone else on the team. They the improvements that we make are directly a result of other teammates helping out. And so it's very, we all have that top goal of like day two NCs being one of the top six, top five teams in the nation. And so to get there, we all know we have to rely on each other. And so that has caused us to be even more close-knit than before. Yeah, that, that's very special. And it's something I've I've mentioned here on the podcast before, I think I mentioned it with Cam Rogers, and I was just saying, like, you can't be an elite seed and go off in half-assed soil. Like, you have to, to, to have an elite seed grow, you have to be around elite soil, and that's what you're doing there as well, and I think that since your success depends on them, well, you're naturally all going to keep growing. It's right. the same thing I was mentioning from Ugo's case, right? Ugo was an Olympian coming into Cal, and he comes in, and he was slower than everybody else, and he's only progressed so much right. since then. And in your case right now, I mean, you came in as an underdog, like you were saying, but you're starting to put Cal's name on the map. That's thanks to the guys here that are helping you out, but you're giving back to them by being able to do that, and hopefully as your level continues to grow and they're trying to keep up with you, so will they. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of like keeping up with me, I, I don't really – view it like that I mean like I said before when I was like looking through the rest of my recruiting class I was like oh these this guy's better than me at this I, that all rings true there's there's somebody else on the team that's going to be better than me at like 
this certain thing. And so whenever I'm having trouble with something, um, there's always going to be somebody on the team that's better than me at that aspect. And so I always, it never feels like I'm at the top of the game at all times. There's always someone else that I'm trying to push to be like and get to their level as well at every little step of the way. Um, so it just feels to me like my team is still above me and I'm trying to get to their level and then they try to get to my level. And so it's just like we're all trying to get to each other's levels. And so overall, like you said, it just brings the entire team up. Once again, is that due to some sort of imposter syndrome that you have or to a pursuit of excellence that you have where you think of something or imagine something and you're just chasing that idea of becoming better? I think I think it's it's that it's I, there's always like an image I like I said I I see somebody else on my team do something and I'm like I want my skill to look like theirs and so I want to perfect that or even like watching the national stage I want my gymnastics to look like their gymnastics so I'm going to push to get to their level interesting and once again to see how connected it is with the arts and things like that right like I was mentioning right now how connected this side of my life is now to soccer, to school, to my papers. It's the same thing. You had mentioned that you have to visualize your art. And right now you're kind of visualizing your gymnastics yeah. as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that in one of, I think it's the article that came out in the winter quarterly. And it's like, yeah, I have to visualize my art. I have to visualize my gymnastics. And it's the same thing. You're chasing that visualization that you have of, I can do that. Yeah. Cool. It has. I'm bringing this up because it has to do with one of the papers I wrote oh, yeah. this past week of the pursuit of excellence and things like that. So, well, that's that's awesome. Uh, you had 11 meets for Cal. Uh, you had a career high in the all around for 80.05 um, at the Stanford Open qualifier, which is how you qualified for the Winter Cup. Correct. Right. What was that Winter Cup like for you? What was that experience? Was it your first national stage experience? Yeah, uh, at the at the senior elite level, that was my first experience. And going into it, I kind of have a mentality where I knew that I was a newcomer, a, kind of a rookie. And so it was, I tr- I treated that meet more than anything else, like just a just experience. It's just being on the national stage, knowing what it's like to be up on the podium, uh, in front of like cameras and stuff. Just knowing what the playing field was like too. Um, it just it was a lot of information and experience just to soak in just to prepare myself for further meets like the USA Champs where now I feel like I've had some of the experience and now I have more specific goals that I want to pursue at these meets. I was smiling right now because you're you're a constant underdog in everything you do, like the way you're describing it. Yeah, I, well that's I kind of I feel like it helps me personally where if because then I'm like. I don't have it in the bag. If I, I have to tell myself that I don't have it in the bag so that I can I push myself to, to reach that level. Kind it, of. it clearly motivates you. Does it take pressure off, though? Uh, sometimes it does. Um, going, especially Winter Cup, knowing that I wasn't going to be, like, end up on top. Anyways, it's like the pressure's not there, and I think that helped a lot. I ended up hitting 12 for 12 both days, and so having that consistency wasn't, was due to the fact that I think it was like, I'm here for experience, so I'm going to just go out there and have fun, have confidence in everything that I do, and that's all I need to get from this meet. Yeah, 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 that, that's that's awesome. And since then, how much has changed for you? I know, like, in terms of attention, your name is way out there, like, more than it was before, but in terms of your gymnastics, 
how much have you improved heading into I mean there's still a lot of time between now and the the meet in in August uh, for US gymnastics but how much has changed like how much have you improved or is it more mental aspect of all right this time around I'm not the rookie anymore like I, I have something to prove I think it's a little bit of both um knowing that I've been to that national stage now the confidence going into an everyday set uh, is just amplified. I think knowing that I've been able to do it at the national stage, now I, sh- I, I know that in my head that I can do this here uh, in my, and on home turf, uh, stuff like that. And then also the mental thing where now I'm not a rookie, now I'm not just a, a newcomer, now I've got something to prove. And so it's a more concrete goal to work towards yeah, yeah, for sure. That, that's awesome. And I mean, since then, you have done quite well. You've raised your career highs in parallel bars on floor, on vault. Like, it, it, there definitely seems to be a difference. But like you said right now, you still have something to prove. Same thing from that interview. You said that last year you weren't satisfied with rookie of the year and that you still felt like you had something to prove. And now, like, being on that national stage, you're starting to prove it. I know your answer is probably going to be like, well, still, I have to accomplish more and I still have something to prove. But, but you're getting there. Yeah. How, how does that make you feel? Uh, it feels good. Um, I, knowing that the work that I put in, the goals that I've set for myself are coming to realization, uh, it's, it feels good to know that I've, I've accomplished my goals, but at the same time, it's like, okay, now kick it into second gear. Like, now it's time to, time to take names. I, I'd ask if that raises your ego in any way, but your underdog mentality just makes you so humble and I saw that your coaches say the same thing right like you're you have a humble mentality that's just looking for for more and more is that what do you consider yourself that way I think so yeah I I hope I don't have an ego but um yeah I think the way that I see myself as because I I never at no point do I think of myself as better than everybody um there's always somebody that's going to be better than me at something and so I just in my mind there's no reason to have that ego to feel as though I'm above somebody when in my mind I'm just not um and I don't think I don't see it as like I'm lesser than it's more like a there's always someone to go to be at their level there's somebody up there that I want to be at you know and that's awesome in gymnastics too that you could be let's say that in some case you do become the best in horizontal bars there's still five other events to to get to yeah 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 that's 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 awesome uh, take me through NCs. What was that experience like? From the very beginning, you guys were suited up, ready to go. Uh, what was that all about? It was NCs is definitely um, a big moment for all of us on the team. It's like the ultimate goal is this is all of our work is coming to fruition here. This is where we need a peak. That's always what we tell ourselves as a team is we don't need a peak now in the regular season. We do need a peak at NCs. So there's a lot of pressure built up, but also at that point, the, the numbers had gone up, the repetition had gone up, so a lot of us had this mentality of, like, there's something to prove. Um, and I think we did that. We had, uh, I'd say, we had seven, or seven, eight, or nine uh, uh, finals qualifiers. Last year, we had three. So there was a lot of, I think, as a team, as a whole, we, we did, we accomplished something in terms of just making a name for ourselves, like proving to ourselves that, we are one of the top teams in the country, and we can be better. Even since Caleb was here, which was a year ago, already literally a year ago, when I was doing my research, it was saying, like, 
Cal is on the rise. Like, Cal is going to be one of those programs that is going to break through. And, like, what you just mentioned, you guys adding, like, you guys doubled or even tripled the amount of guys that qualified to the second session is is big time. And I think it's only up from here for sure, especially with the recruiting and what you mentioned of, like, guys can come from here as well. Um, in terms of the repetition that you mentioned, how often do you guys change your routines? Uh, so... In the preseason, uh, before meet starts, uh, meet season starts, uh, we go through a lot of changes. I think early on, everybody wants to put in like as much difficulty as they can. But as we start to work the routines, we, I think our culture overall values consistency and cleanliness over everything else. So we start to kind of take out some of the difficulty and then just tweak like the, the numbers, the the small deductions, trying to clean up everything. So. Even throughout season, kind of the same mentality uh, routine can go through a lot of changes. You can be competing like this super difficult routine as one meet, and then the next kind of downgrade to a little simpler routine. And it's and it's unique to our sport where you can you can go at it both angles, where you can go a lot of difficulty and maybe not as clean and score this this number, uh, and then you can go at it from the other angle where you don't have a lot of difficulty but you're really clean. You can score about the same, uh, and that's kind of how I've been going about it is I don't have nearly as much difficulty as these other guys on the national stage, but because I'm able to like hit and hit pretty clean, I'm able to kind of keep up with these other guys. Um, and as a team, that's, that's really our mentality is, is push the difficulty, uh, especially this next year, we're really hoping to push the difficulty, but we've always got the execution in mind uh, and the cleanliness and consistency. Yeah. It's that's slow and steady wins the race sort of mm-hmm. mentality. That's, that's very smart, very strategical. Um, well, you did do very well in, in finals. You finished with a 78.798, which is great because it qualified you yeah. for the U.S. Gymnastics Champs. So that, that's awesome. Academic side, still there. MPSF, all academic. Same thing with the Pac-12. Um, in terms of what you said after this this champs, like the, these uh, NCs, um, you made it individually, but you want the whole team to be there competing as a team, not in not just individually. Mm-hmm. What's it going to take to do that? Uh, definitely pushing the difficulty. We like to take the execution angle, but um, we should be able to do that from higher difficulty levels than we are now. And I think we're really going to do that over this summer um, with all of us hopefully being healthy um, and able to push those upgrades. Uh, we're going to definitely have a lot more difficulty behind our back to uh, help us get to there. And then I think we've had a lot of ups and downs this past season. We did pretty well, uh, better than last season, but uh, we, there's definitely like a consistency and just staying focused the whole time. Uh, we tell ourselves like we can't just be a second half team. We have to, from start to finish, be fully committed and fully engaged the whole time. And so if we can improve that aspect, we can, we can really prove to ourselves and other teams that we're, we're at the top. That's awesome. Um, what, when do you guys plan on being back? Like, when do you guys come back from for gymnastics in the summer? Uh, so we'll have, we have like voluntary practice all summer long. Uh, we, our case, like we mentioned before, we can't really go a week or two without doing anything. Um, so all of us will be training uh, the whole summer. Uh, I think most of us are staying in Berkeley as well. Uh, but official training starts in August, I believe. Awesome, awesome. And in terms of, again, the difference between men's and women's gymnastics, 
you well, you competing on a national stage at this age is completely different to the women's side. Like women's in college, they're starting to retire. What's the case like on the men's side? Like, is there still a peak to reach for you? Yeah, there's definitely more to come. Uh, I think our Olympic team was made entirely out of recently graduated uh, college athletes or current college athletes. We have Brody Malone, who's like the top of the top for us. Um, and he's over at Stanford currently. Uh, there's Paul Judah on the University of Michigan's team who's gone on to World Cups and World Championships and done really well over there. So men's NCAA gymnastics is definitely like the stepping stone or the stage at which we have all of our national team members and the guys that go out into international meets. So there's definitely, being an NCAA athlete in men's gymnastics is where you want to be if you want to go to like the national stage. Interesting, okay. And taking you through that, like I don't really know too much like all about the men's gymnastics side. So this Winter Cup and then the U.S. Gymnastics Championships coming up. The U.S. Gymnastics Championships is like to make the national team pretty much, right? And then the Winter Cup, what, what was that specifically within the U.S. or internationally? Uh, Winter Cup was also within the U.S. It's kind of um, kind of similar. You, you, there's an opportunity to make the national team there if you're among the top five all-arounders. Uh, but there's also this point system that works both at Winter Cup and USA Champs where um, depending on your placing uh, on the events, you can gather up a bunch of points uh, that they'll also consider you for the national team for. So if I were to, per se, get, like, third on a few events, that would get me a good amount of points, and then I could be able to be on the national team when selected. I think that after this sit-down with you, I know why you know that you need to get third on certain yeah. events. So, yeah, yeah I, I can see it in your eyes the way you're, you're saying it now, which is going to be awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to that. I will be watching if it's streamed anywhere. I know it's in, it's in August in Tampa, right? Yeah. Yeah, that that'll be awesome for for you, and I'm sure you'll you'll put in the work this summer to to be able to make that happen. Yes, sir. Um, in, in terms of your team role now, just closing up, like on what can be expected for the years to come. Um, well, like you mentioned, peak guys or post NCs. I mean NCs post college, um, and you're already starting to knock the door yeah. at that level, which is crazy. Um, you are this year's team uh, most valuable gymnast. Uh, gymnast sorry, so M I was going to say MVP, but MVG, I guess. MVG. Um, you're taking that stepping role. Like, I know you've emphasized, okay, there are better guys in certain places, but there's no way to not say that you're not a leader, at least by example, but... You, you see your role just growing and growing and growing. How do you plan on executing that in, in your years left here at Cal? Uh, I definitely, yeah, I do. It's kind of a switch I have to make. I think freshman, sophomore year, I could still be like, oh, I'm an underclassman. I just got to do what I got to do. And it doesn't really matter in terms of my role on the team as long as I'm doing well. Uh, but now going into my upperclassman years, I do have to make that switch where now I have to recognize that I'm a leader, um, either officially or not. Uh, I have influence, uh, especially underclassmen. So I, I think it's definitely going to be something I have to focus more and work on more. I've been talking to my upperclassmen as well about it, like Caleb, like Darren Wong, um, about how I can be effective in that leadership role and how I can 
put myself in a position where the guys on the team can come to me for advice on personal gymnastics or academic matters. Um, it's something I have to work on, definitely, because I'm still, I think I'm still kind of known as like a goofball on the team. Uh, so definitely going to have to learn how to upgrade that position. What's your biggest goal as a leader? I think it's just to uh, give confidence, I'd say. A lot of freshmen and sophomore guys um, don't really know what their role is going to be like on the team uh, or are still trying to figure out what their role is. And so if I can impress onto them that as long as you're confident in your abilities and as long as you can put yourself in a position to do well, then that's that's all you really need to do. Um, and comp I just overall confidence is the name of the game. What to like just to close off now uh, and to connect with that. What is your definition of success? That's a difficult one. Um, for me personally, uh, it probably be to not ever achieve my goals. That's a weird one, I feel like, but the way things have been going, I only do well and continue to do well if I haven't quite achieved my goals yet. So if I achieve like a certain goal, um, I have to move on to having a higher goal um, and moving on to the next thing. So if throughout my life, I can go from that each stepping stone and never quite grasp the full end goal, then I think in a weird way, I would have been successful because I would have achieved the most that I could possibly have achieved. Interesting. Interesting take. Um, I was going to say right after, like, what drives you, but that's clearly what drives you, right? But in terms of, like, success, like, that is what drives your success, but what is your definition of saying, I am successful? Like, at what point does that exist, or do you think that's never going to exist? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have a concrete definition for that. Um, a lot of things are up in the air, uh, past college and stuff like that. But I think um, in terms of personality-wise, who I want to be as a person, success would be if I can be at the utmost of like positive influence. If I can be the most positive influence a person can have in their life, then that would be success to me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I love the, the ending of this because I feel like, like I was saying, my recent um, interviews have been yesterday was Nina, two days ago was Ugo, three days ago was Matthew Sindrick, and they're all graduating right now. And this first half is literally the, the first half of some of their stories as well, not in the terms of the success you've had so far, but in the terms of if it's building up to something greater. And I'm super excited to see what's in store for you. And I'm like, this door is going to remain open for you to, to come back and talk about that second half and, and the better part of the story. Cause right now you've tasted success, but we'll leave it as the yeah. underdog phase of your career and more to come. Yeah. Absolutely. More to come. What we'll, has to be. Yeah. We'll see what's in, in store for you, but I can sense your hunger. It's very obvious and, and it's so cool to see. So looking forward to it. I'll be cheering you on. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see what, like, I don't even want to say anything specifically. I'll leave it vague and broad and open, but we'll see what the future has in store for you and, and what you can create from it. Because coming in, medium uh, recruit, yeah. and now you're MVG, 
and going on to the national stage. And I know what is at the national stage and what the goal is from there, but well, I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut and just see whether it, whether you get there or not, which I'm hoping you will. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. Anything uh, I missed off on or anything you want to touch on? I'm good. Cool. All right. Well, that's it. It's been a pleasure knowing you so far, and I uh, hope we can continue to get to know each other. It was funny when you when you came up to me at, at SAC, because in my head, I have like a list of people I already wanted to invite. I was like, ah, oh, that's Noah. Like, and I, I already wanted to invite you here. Yeah. But you came up to me and you're like, you interviewed Caleb. And I'm like, yes. And you're next. I, that's the first thing I, I, I <laughs> yeah. think I ever told you, like literally, and you're next. So I'm glad it happened. Glad you're here. Thanks for accepting the invitation. And hopefully we can uh, continue to build this friendship Definitely. outside Definitely. of the podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. No, I'm looking forward to, to part two for sure. Uh, to everyone that watched on YouTube and to everyone that watched on YouTube and listens on Spotify, thank you guys so much. If you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you're on Spotify, yes, thumbs up. (laughs) If you're on Spotify, please follow the podcast. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you, guys. I'll see you next time. Awesome. That's it. That end part. What? That end part was good. Yeah, the end part was sick. Yeah. It was like, I didn't want to say anything. Usually, like, there's people here that are already Olympians or are saying certain things and they're like, yeah, like Paris 24 is already on their minds. And I just didn't want to say it at the end because it was like, let's yeah. leave it open to see what could happen. Yeah. yeah. I've never been, yeah. I've never been one to have like concrete end goals. So I always like leave it open-ended to multiple things. Yeah. Why? Just because it doesn't limit your potential. Yeah. Just cause I feel like part of it's like, well, if I don't achieve that, then like, who am I? And then mm-hmm. also, if I do achieve it, then what's more to come? So if I leave it open-ended, then I'm going to be like, well, there's always another thing to be working towards. So That's sick. That's sick. I think that still got caught on, and that's a pretty okay. sick thing that okay. should have been left on. But <laughs> if it didn't, it's fine. That, that's still pretty sick, though. <laughs>